Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. I want to talk to you about an examination. Say examination. Kind of a crazy title. So there's uh, a lot of things in the Bible that are worthy of our really examining them and getting really involved in understanding uh, about these things in the Bible. We talked on Father's Day about uh, some of the things that fathers and mothers should learn very seriously and teach it to their children. And uh, how many remember what that was? Jesus is coming soon, right? The rapture of the church. We need to understand that fully and be able to uh, understand all the theology of it, understand what it's all about. And there's four other things that I want to talk to you about today that are foundations, things that families should know, things that children should learn. It should be written, written on their hearts so that uh, they understand these foundational things. And if you're not real familiar with all of them, then you need to do some research, get into some study on it, and figure out. So we're going to talk about examination today. Four things that I want to talk about. First of all, uh, we want to examine the Word, the W-R-D, the Logos, the Word. How many of you know that Jesus is the Word? Amen. He is the Word, the Word of God. And uh, we need to examine what the Bible has to say about the Word. It's interesting, John 1.1, some of the things about the Word of God are things that people in the world just do not get. They cannot understand. And in fact, when you listen to people who are agnostic or when they're atheistic or whatever, when they have a tendency to want to talk down religion and talk down the Bible and talk down God, these are the subject that they're going to attack. And so if you understand these subjects, uh, you'll be able to have a, a, a bit of an understanding when you are uh, giving them an understanding of what the Word is all about. The Word of God. John 1, 1 says this way about the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, or Jesus, was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made. It's interesting, as we begin to examine that, that uh, the Word, or Jesus, was infinite. He continues endlessly. And uh, does that ever boggle your mind? Have you ever sat down and just thought about, well, God always was? Like He was never born? Where did He come from? How was He created? He always was? Does that boggle your mind like it does mine? That just boggles my mind. The fact that He always was, He always was here, and He always will be. And when it comes to the Word, as we examine Jesus and the Word, He always was and always will be. And what an amazing thing. All the way from the beginning, He was with God. And here's one that as we examine the Word of God, we understand that it says that all things were made by Him. Did you know that there was a time when there was no such thing as a tree or a night crawler or a shark or a woman? That's sad. <laughs> Just a thought. I sat out on my patio early this morning and uh, I was looking at the grass and I was thinking there was a time when there was no grass. And uh, I think about uh, when you watch 
these amazing things on television. Uh, some of the, one of the things that really amazes me is all the different uh, types of ugly fish are in the ocean. Isn't that interesting? You know, God created sushi long, long time ago before sushi was ever invented. But to, to think about this, that Jesus invented and created all of these different things. Now, that is amazing. It, it deserves something of an examination. And that without him was not anything made that was made. Wow, what an interesting thing. All of the new scientific things, all the things that have been created from the time since uh, we were in horse and buggy days. <laughs> remember, I remember the horse and buggy days. I wasn't in them, but I sure remember them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've ridden a horse and buggy, but I, had, I started out in a car. My dad had an Oldsmobile, big car driver. Without him... Nothing was made. All of the inventions and all of these things that, you know, I get so amazed at how people have invented uh, machinery. How in the world does that work? And robots and all of that kind of stuff. And all of these ideas come from the Lord. And so no wonder the world wants to say there's no, their creation does not, was not. It was a big bang theory. There was not a creator. Isn't it crazy? And so as we look at these are things that we need to examine the word, the logos, Jesus. We need to thoroughly examine and understand all about him. John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos, uh, God gave him a vision of the heavens, H-E-A-V-E-N-S, more than one heaven. There's the immediate heaven, and you know about the third heaven and all of that. And God gave John the Revelator a vision of the heavens, and he saw heaven was open. Wow. Can you imagine uh, streets of gold? Can you imagine? I'm just thinking about a gate of pearl. Can you imagine that mother oyster? A gate of pearl? It's amazing as we examine these things. Heaven was opened up before him, and he saw the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Bible says. And in Revelation chapter 19, he goes on and he said, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful. That's the word. He's faithful. He's true. And here's a scary one. In righteousness, he doth judge and make war. You know, God is love, right? And we know Jesus, how he walked on earth and he loved everyone and he had such a compassion and he raised the dead and he healed the sick and he created uh, money in a fish's mouth. He had compassion for people. And uh, we see him in a, a tremendous light. But there's going to come a day when he is going to judge in righteousness and make war. All of those people that are pointing fingers at the Almighty, all the people that are saying it doesn't exist, all the people that are saying it's phony, baloney, one of these days he is going to come down on the white horse and we're going to take a look at the battle of the Armageddon. Hello. And so we see that 
John, the revelator, was able to see this off in the future. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. It was a picture of the setting for the uh, battle of Armageddon, and his name was called the Word of God. The Word. See, the Word of God is something we need to be uh, busy about examining. The Word of God. In John chapter 5 and verse 7, King James Version, here's part uh, interesting that says the Word was part of the Trinity. Well, how many of you know that the world has a hard time figuring out that three equals one? You know, they have a hard enough time with one and one equals two, much less three equals one. It's a difficult thing. And John, 1 John 5, 7 says there are three that bear record in heaven. There's the Father, the Word, which is Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Huh, there are some churches that don't even get that. In John chapter 1 and verse number 14, here's another thing. The Word was made flesh. One of the things the world is going to attack is the virgin birth. They said it's impossible. It's, it doesn't exist. It's not true. But the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The baby Jesus was born of a virgin. We need to get these things into our hearts and our minds and examine them fully and teach them to our children. And he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the word, the spoken word, and he is the living word. And I love what it said in Isaiah chapter 55 and 11. Listen to this. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. I don't know how many prophecies there were in the Old Testament, 119, or I don't know, just a minute, I can't uh, think of right now how many there were, but all of the prophecies that were spoken that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, that he would, that he would be a light shining in, 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 in darkness, and that he would be uh, certain things that was prophesied, that all of these prophecies came to pass and were true. And it's so interesting that everything in theology was foretold. Everything in, for, in theology was foretold. Jesus foretold theology. And it's interesting that the rest of theology has also been foretold. He's coming back. He's coming soon. There will be a rapture of the church. There'll be a great tribulation here on planet Earth. There's, he will come back again at the battle of Armageddon. There'll be a, he will rule and reign with the saints. All of the saints will come back from heaven, hello, to rule and reign on this earth. This requires some examination to understand these things. You see, when you, if you teach these things to your children, they'll teach them to their children's children, and when it comes time to surrendering all to the Lord, they will because these things that need to be examined are in their heart and written as frontlets on their forehead. They understand them. Now, the question I have to you today, men and women, mothers, fathers, do you know this stuff? Can you walk through the great tribulation 
with your children? Can you walk through seven years and explain to them what's going to happen with the Antichrist? Can you walk through the fact that if you are washed in the blood of Jesus and your sins have been forgiven and you serve the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, that one of these days the trumpet of the Lord is going to sound and there shall be a shout and they which are alive and remain shall be caught up with those who are resurrected from the dead called the rapture of the church. Do your kids fully understand that? Because if they do, if they understand there will be a great white judgment throne, hello, they will serve the Lord with all their heart and with all their soul and with all their mind, just like you're trying to do in your life. It deserves examination. Oh, my goodness. My word that goes out from my mouth, God says, will not return unto me void. It will accomplish that which I please. All that he was. All that he is, all that he ever shall be, and everything that he says and everything that he does shall and will and is being accomplished on this earth today. And that, my friend, is worth extensive examination. The second thing that we need to examine very thoroughly and understand and teach this to our children, write them on the doorposts of our home, is this. The name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says it this way. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Did you know that the only way that you can be saved is to call upon the name of the Lord? There's no other name given under heaven whereby we can be saved. You can't do enough works. You can't be good enough. You can't accomplish enough. Hello, you can't do anything to deserve salvation. It is to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting to me how flippant people use the name of the Lord. And the Bible teaches very clearly that we should not use the name of the Lord in vain. Now, it's interesting that if you're using the name of the Lord in vain, the name of the Lord is not going to be something you can draw upon in the time of need. When I bless my food, when I pray and ask God to bless my food, I ask all these things in the name of Jesus. If I honor the name, if I examine the name, and if the name of Jesus is important to me, when I ask him to bless my food in the name of Jesus, it'll be blessed. But if I don't examine the name, if the name don't mean anything to me, if it's not important, if I don't teach it to my children, hello, you can say bless my food all you want and, and call on the name of the Lord. But if you don't honor and understand and examine the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not going to work for you. We need to examine the name of the Lord and how holy it is and how important it is. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Listen to this has the power to demand reverence from every living, breathing, existing entity ever was or ever shall be, whether they are for him 
or rather they are against him. There will come a day when the name of Jesus has the power to make every knee bow. Every knee bow. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8 says it this way. And being found in fashion as a man, Jesus, humbled himself. He wasn't sent to the cross. He humbled himself to go to the cross. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Someone said he could have called 10,000 angels. Well, that would have just been a start. But he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death. The death of the cross, the crucifixion, the worst possible death that you could ever imagine. Therefore, wherefore, God highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every Tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Your own salvation. Understand the name of the Lord. And about the time one of your kids began to pick up a little language and you say, where did you get that from? And they start GD and this and GD and that and all of this stuff. And you need to understand something. Out of the same mouth, sweet and bitter cannot flow. It's either sweet or it's bitter. There is no fellowship with darkness and light. We need to teach our children to come out from the world and be separated, as thus the Lord has said, and touch not the unclean thing. We need to write on the doorposts of our home and our, and our television set. Hello, and I can meddle till the day Jesus comes and you'd know good and well what I'm talking about. But when we dishonor and we bring things into our life that are ungodly, we are violating the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sin causes us to violate our relationship with the name. And there is none other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved except that wonderful, glorious, precious name of Jesus. And we need to examine that. And we need to live our life in such a manner so as to honor the name of Jesus. And the best news of the name of Jesus is this. John 16 says it this way, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, and your joy may be full. And I would say very clearly that's a valid reason for us to not use the name of the Lord in vain. Because I want it. You know, what's in your wallet? The name of Jesus, that's what's in my wallet. Well, 
Why get excited about that? Number three, examination, things we need to examine. Here's one. Men, you need to examine this. And I kept saying men, you need to examine this because men, you are designed to be the spiritual leader of your house. Hello. Your kids aren't going to get it if you don't get it. They'll be lucky to get it because you're supposed to train up a child the way you go. So when he's old, he won't depart from it. So the third thing is we need to examine is the blood of Jesus. It's a pure blood. It's precious blood. 1 John 1, 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, walking in the light, the word of God, walking in Jesus, another name for Jesus, as we walk in Jesus, and we have fellowship one with another, It's important who you fellowship with on certain levels. We always fellowship in evangelism. We always fellowship as being the light of the world. But intimate relationships being equally yoked together through the blood of Jesus Christ is probably one of your most valuable things. We need to understand it's the blood of Jesus Christ that brings us together. The precious blood of Jesus we become brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Our elder brother being Jesus, and we become all of this through his blood. It's worth an examination. And he says, if we walk in the light, in Jesus, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin." Well, I didn't know sin made us dirty. Sin leaves a crimson spot. And so the songwriter said it this way. Well, Jesus paid it all. So all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Sin leaves a crimson stain. Let a man examine himself and then let him partake of the body and blood of Christ. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My question today, how much unconfessed crimson is on your life? How phony is your testimony in your head but those around you know good and well, you are covered in crimson. Something I want to be very cautious of in my life. You say, well, you don't sin, Pastor. Liar, liar. I'm real good at it. I'm a good sinner. How about you? The spirit of conviction comes on me when I do the things that are not correct and things that are not right. I feel like a, a load of sin is more than I can bear. 
but he took my sins away. The crimson spot. Sin hath left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And a crimson stain is one that is any of several deep purplish reds. Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. You can't hide crimson in your life. And so we need to examine the blood of Jesus Christ. Because look it. I can tell just by the look on your face, you know what I'm talking about. The ooh. And the enemy would like to tell you that you're no good and, well, you're only half a Christian and, well, you can't use the name of the Lord real good because you've got crimson all over you. You're crimson everywhere. But when we understand the blood of Jesus Christ, you see, when my kids came into my office and would say, Dad, got in trouble. I did this, and I know it wasn't right, and I'm, I feel so bad about it. And I, they would stand and weep before me. I said, that's all right, because you've already taken it to the Lord. There is no crimson on you, because the blood of Jesus Christ has washed you from that sin. We need to examine the blood. Otherwise, the enemy will keep you under a blanket of guilt. And I want you to understand something very clearly. Guilt and the feeling of guilt comes from hell, not heaven. Guilt. If you feel you're under guilt, if you're feeling guilty, you need to say, devil, get behind me because I cleanse me from the crimson because the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me from the crimson stain. And you'll lift up your head and you'll lift up your hands, the feeble knees that hang down. And you'll rejoice and you'll shout and you'll worship Almighty God because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we need to teach that to our children and we need to understand it. Sin hath left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Hmm. Another songwriter said it this way, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now, I think that's worth some serious examination. How about you? The last examination that I want to talk about the last examination procedure is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 28, and it says, let a man examine himself, 
and then let them eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Which brings me to my text for today. And if you can bear with me for a minute, I'm going to take some time and I want to read to you some of the most precious words that's ever been written. The, the book of Mark, all of a sudden, it talked about the life of Christ, the raising of the dead, the healing of the sick, the preaching uh, out on the hillside, and all of these things. And, and then all of a sudden, in the 14th chapter of Mark, is which we're studying and preaching on, the 14th chapter of Mark comes up next. It begins a whole brand new segment, and that is we're starting to point toward the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it's because of this part that we can have life and have it more abundantly. One of the twelve went out on the chief priest to betray him unto them, and when they heard it, they were glad, and they promised to give him money. You know what it was, 30 pieces of silver. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. That was the first jughead. And the first... Day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, the animals were ready. His disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou go that thou that we may go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples and said unto them, Go into the city, and there shall meet a young man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say you to the good men of the house, the master saith, where's the guest chamber? Where shall I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into that city. And they found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the evening he comes with the twelve, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? Another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dips with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him. And woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. As I heard the birds chirping on my trees, drinking a hot cup of coffee, dripping on my white T-shirt this morning, I thought to myself, we honor Jesus, the Word. We honor His name. And we're told to examine and honor His blood. Woe be to the man who doesn't. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. I begin to shudder sitting there on my deck today thinking, that's right. We look at Judas and say, better for him that he was never born because he betrayed the Lord. What about us? 
I'm going to tell you something. Eternity in hell equals better for us that we had never been born. To spend eternity in the lake of fire where the worm dieth not. There's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Better for us we had never been born than that would deny the name and the blood and the word of Jesus Christ. Because all of mankind who was never even thought about before the foundations of the earth were created were built and made and created to have fellowship with him, to honor him, and to be his disciple. And the world will tell you, oh, there's no such thing as hell. Well, go ask the damn lady. Good word from that man if he had never been born. Boy, don't we want to throw that over our shoulder and pass that on to somebody else. Don't we want to put all the blame on Judas? Don't we want to put all of our lethargy, all of our disrespect, all of our continuing, ongoing, allowing sin to enter into our home and into our life and into our thought patterns? Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we just passed this on to Judas? That he's the one. But the fourth thing that deserves some examination is self. Let a man examine himself. And then let him partake of the body and blood of Christ. Well, and as they did eat, Jesus took the bread. He blessed and he broke it. You know the one. The one whose prophetic word in Revelation 19 was he's going to be sitting on a white horse. His vestures dripped in blood. The righteous judge who's going to come to earth and he's going to judge sin. Yeah, that Jesus, that one. Sitting here taking bread and he blessed it. Gave it to them and said, take eat. This is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it, and he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Another place he says, Let a man examine himself, and then let him partake of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And I contend today, we need to be examining ourselves for the right subjects. I want you to get that. Write it down if you want to. I want us to know that when we examine ourselves, we need to be writing and examining ourselves on the correct subjects. We have a tendency to examine ourselves, our works. and our righteousness. I examined myself because of my righteousness. I did that, and so I examined myself, and I asked forgiveness of that. Listen, that's frivolous. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. 
we need to examine ourselves in relationship to how do we deal with Jesus, the Word, and how do we relate to the name of Jesus, and how do we relate to His blood? That's what we need to examine, and then partake of the body and blood. Fun? Have fun? If you're having fun, say amen. So give somebody a high five. Give a high five and just go ahead and hold hands for a minute. Say, dear God, come on, hold their hand. Hold their hand, not, not Jesus' hand. Hold somebody's hand next to you. High five. Say, high five. Say, dear God, I came here to enjoy today, and I'm getting ready to have my crimson stain erased. I come here to confess my faults. I come here to confess my sin. Hello, come on. Let's get serious about this this morning because we're getting ready to partake of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to close your eyes. Keep holding that hand. Say, dear Jesus, from now on I understand your word. I want to know who you are. I want to serve you. I want to understand your blood. And I want to examine myself. And I want to be right when the trumpet sounds. You come back. I want to be ready to go in Jesus' name. Amen. Communion ushers, would you come forward, please? We're going to partake of the body and blood of Christ. There's nothing like a good old-fashioned communion service. Let a man examine himself. Let me tell you something. You know you're hitting the mark. You know you're hitting the mark when whether it be in this service or before the service or driving down the highway or on the night, just go ahead and begin serving if you would please. You know you're hitting the mark regardless of where it is. Regardless of where it is. You know you're hitting the mark when the spirit of conviction begins to cause you to pay attention to the fact that you got a little crimson red on you. And you don't necessarily feel guilty, but you feel under conviction. And you feel like, I can't keep doing this. You know you're hitting the mark. When you get emotionally involved, when you feel something from the inside, tell you that all you have to do is whisper and call on the name of Jesus the word of God and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from that unrighteousness and you begin to understand and you begin to feel something on the inside like somebody's got a hold of your heart and is squeezing the life out of it and it hurts and your emotions bring you to a place of tears and you begin to weep and you begin to feel something and you begin to understand that there's power in the blood 
you throw back your shoulders and you lift up your head and you look up, your redemption draws nigh and you start your day anew and afresh because you've been touched by the Holy Spirit that was with the Father and with the Word from the beginning. The Holy Spirit touched your mind and your heart, your body. Because Jesus said, when I ascend into heaven, I will send my Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and convince the world of sin. Hello. And he will lead us into righteousness. And when you begin to feel something on the inside and it begins to show itself in possibly even a little bit of a tear that lets you down. Hello. You begin to know you're on the right track. Because that Holy Spirit from within you is holy. And it wants to be your servant. Wants to be your cleanser. And he wants to take all that crimson and do away with it. Are you washed in the blood? Are you? <laughs> yeah. Let's take a blood bath. Shall we bow? Would you just lift up your communion elements and let's just in invite the Lord into this communion elements as they represent the blood of Jesus and the body of Christ. And we're getting ready to partake it into our, in, our, into our digestive system, almost said indigestive, to our digestive system. But that little piece of bread and that little bit of grape juice is going to wash you the crimson stain from the inside out. So, Father, today we confess our sins and pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from any crimson, unrighteous thing and make me pure because of your blood in Jesus' name. Shall we partake of the bread and also of the juice? Hallelujah. Father, we worship you for who you are. They are bomb and Gilead, we pray. In Jesus' name.